Welcome to Our Shoreline, Your Horizon, a podcast by Dan Casey, featuring business and economic development news from St. Clair County, Michigan. Stretch your horizons in the beautiful shoreline communities of St. Clair County, home to one of the nation's busiest international border crossings. Learn more at edascc.com. Hello, I'm Dan Casey with the Economic Development Alliance of St. Clair County, Michigan, and thank you for tuning in to the EDA's Our Shoreline, Your Horizon podcast. And today I'd like to welcome James Freed, who's the city manager for the city of Port Huron. James, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about all of the many exciting things that are happening in downtown Port Huron. It's been really a great time for the city, really for five years. I think we've, we've seen reinvestment in the city that we haven't seen for a long, long time. And I think you get a lot of credit for that, you and your team. So why don't we start by just talking a little bit about yourself and um, how you landed this role with the city of Port Huron. Yeah, so I was actually uh, raised in, in Kimball Township just outside Port Huron uh, on Allen Road, uh, right on the corner of Allen Griswold Road, actually. Moved away, went to college, uh, became a city manager uh, for a, a community on the west side of the state. Then during, after the recession in 2010, I actually began managing two communities. Uh, and then I saw my hometown open back up. And so they were posting for a city manager job here. And how do you say no to going home? Uh, so we moved back here, and now I live here with my, my wife and my two daughters, Annie and Lucy. Uh, it's a wonderful place to raise a family, and that's what we were looking for, someplace to lay down roots and stay for a while. So this is my now ninth year here, going into my ninth year here. During my tenure here, it's, we've seen transformational change, especially in the downtown, as you speak of. Uh, we've seen about $450 million of investment throughout the entire city in the last five years. About $200 million plus is in the downtown alone. Uh, we've had hundreds of new lofts and condos and apartments in the downtown. What started as small developments, you know, the first lofts that got built, whether it be the, the Wits or Marsha Haynes or Jerry Kramer built a few lofts, has now, we celebrated those successes. And now those successes have morphed to projects that are 16 and 20 and $14 million. Uh, we have projects sitting on our docket right now for another $10 million. And so we're seeing transformational change in our downtown storefronts that were boarded up. Uh, second stories that you literally were boarded up are now vibrant apartments and condos and lofts with people living in them. That population density, by bringing more dense population to our downtown, we've created new markets for the first urban grocery store in more than 50 years. That's a $3.4 million development. Uh, We see hotels coming into our downtown. We now see arts and entertainments taking off. You have the Citadel, you have the Black Box Theater, you have the Wrigley Center Entertainment Venue coming online, you have McMorrin and the new plaza. A lot of things happening in our community, but focusing the less way from the donut hole of the downtown We now want to take that transformational change and move it out into our neighborhoods. And so you've seen a huge community redevelopment strategy within our neighborhoods. We've seen record investment in home remodels and home purchases and values rising. Homes that sold for $60,000 to $70,000 five years ago are now selling for $100,000 more. That's providing people opportunity uh, to invest in their homes, to invest in their neighborhoods. Uh, Well, at the same time, we have 30-year record low unemployment, uh, employment rates. And so our industrial park is hiring, our job creators are hiring. So for folks who, who want to get a, a good job uh, that pays well, our wages have risen. They used to be about 12 to $14 an hour. Now they're 18 to 22 starting out in our city. Uh, this is a great place to find a quality home in a safe neighborhood near a vibrant downtown with good wages. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Boy, you covered a lot of ground in, yeah, in, that, a lot going on. in that comment, that answer to that question. So we're going to circle back on a couple of those yep. things because you hit on some really important points. From a strategic standpoint, when you have a community like this one that's traditional, historic in this case, and it's built around a downtown, I think what we've seen in the past in other communities is you start by building out from your core, right? You get reinvestment to occur there. 
and then it grows outward. So what were some of the first things that happened, do you, you think, in Port Huron that really began to make that transition occur? I think local developers and local investors and entrepreneurs took a risk. Um, you look at the, the first ones in had the biggest risk. So the Wits, the Haineses, Jerry Kramer, um, Larry Jones was first one in. Um, you think of just like the vintage and Jeff Payton and, and Barbie Payton at the vintage. Building that restaurant, which now seems wildly crazy at the time, is now it just fits in our downtown. You know, Lynch's, the remodel and redevelopment of Lynch's downtown. It was the first local people who took a risk on their hometown. That in turn has spurred into significant investors from outside the city coming in to invest in our community. So those little, little successes that we celebrate in the early stages has now led to much more greater investment and a much broader pool of capital available for the redevelopment for our community. So when you start reaching, when you start bringing in big money outside of town, big investors, um, you start seeing things like Sperry's and City Flats and the Wings, et cetera. Um, even, even the Wrigley Center has significant outside capital. So it was the local entrepreneurs who took a risk. And as for government, we just got out of the way. You know, we, we, we streamlined our permitting process. We streamlined the way government interfaces with the entrepreneurs. And it's, you know, I wish government could take, us to, take a victory lap here, but it's really the entrepreneurs that have done this, not, not driven by government. Um, in fact, government needs to, to be behind on this one. Yeah. So I think that that's another one of the keys right there is how do you incentivize, and I don't mean necessarily with tax incentives, but how do you incentivize investment occurring in your downtown? And one of the ways is by being a partner. And the other way is having good local investors. And then once they have some successes, they help to prove the market, which can drive other investors who are outside of the market to come in and, well, and because we also, they see an opportunity. And you know, when I first interviewed for this job, they said, what kind of government are you going to give us? And I said, vanilla ice cream government. Vanilla ice cream is the number one selling ice cream flavor in all the world. And it's because people know what to expect. When it comes to investment and capital, nobody wants to invest in a community where there's political wars, divisiveness, instability in government services and government taxes and fees. We work together here, whether it's the county, the EDA, the, 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 the schools, the city government. We are a very stable place. This is, uh, we do not have political divisiveness. We have our disagreements, but it's a, it's a smooth running city. Um, we have continuity in our budget and stability within our budget. So public services are reliable, predictable, and sustainable. Uh, and that makes it a safe place to invest capital, to start a business. You know, there's a lot of risk in starting a business and investment, and we want to make sure that we can mitigate to the best we can risk that government can induce through uh, the inability to properly manage functions. So you talked about, you know, how we, we're strengthening the core and you, you mentioned $200 million in investment. And I think it's actually higher than that, but yep. whatever, it's, it's been really solid. And now we're driving investment out into the, the neighborhood. So what are some of those areas where you think that this investment is likely to occur? So I think you're seeing the Old Town neighborhood, um, Court Street area, significant investment there. I think the Connor Street corridor uh, is going to be our next scope of focused development. There's a lot of opportunity there. It's probably the most undervalued property in the city with the most potential for redevelopment. It's been kind of like that treasure box that we've overlooked for quite some time. Just melt the Southside Initiative there, a group of local neighbors and business owners who just want to see that area grow. I'm very passionate about what they're going to bring to the table. This is where we get to generational change. Boom and bust markets come and go. But when you can create an economy that grows and provides opportunities, so good paying jobs, the ability to buy a home, get a home equity loan and fix up that home, these are opportunities that are now our, our residents are now, are, are now re- having access to. Uh, and so this is where we, we were going to move the metrics. For the last eight years, the poverty rate has dropped every single year. Our poverty rate is now down more than 5% total in the last eight years. You know, and that's a statistic, but behind that statistics are moms and dads and families who are, you know, a rising tide is raising this community to a more prosperous future. So now you have a new generation of Port Huron residents 
who have access to jobs, who have access to quality housing, who have access to a vibrant downtown and safe neighborhoods. We have some of the lowest crime rates. Uh, you can download our police report online, the, our, our annual report. Every single crime is down across the board and has been consistently down for the last 10 years. So it's a very safe place. And this is the whole package. This is the place where you want to have a quality of life, where you want to raise a family. Uh, and we now have that, that, you know, opportunity is what's bringing people here. And jobs are key to that. And uh, also, you know, higher paying jobs too, yeah. is, you know, you want to have a good balance in your economy in that respect. And uh, so the industrial park is essentially full at this point. Um, we still have a couple of um, gray spaces, if you will, yep. in the downtown that need to be filled. And is that going to be one of the priorities you'll focus on? Yeah, I think you have right now um, such large projects in the works that the infill next to those projects is kind of natural. You know, you build a $16 million development, then well, the commercial space next to it naturally gets filled because it brings in a whole new market and a whole new population density to support that business. Free markets and free enterprise work. We're seeing What we're seeing in downtown now is the residential components are offsetting commercial costs. So folks who want to open up a, a retail shop can find more affordable rent rates, which makes their likelihood of success much greater. Let's talk about the role of tourism in this. And maybe we'll start by talking about a, a recent event we had, which is the Mackinac Week and the, yeah. the Mackinac Race that uh, was very successful this year and just uh, occurred recently. So uh, what kind of impact do you see from that event and other similar events to driving tourism? So the Blue Water Festival brings in tens and tens of thousands of people into our downtown. Many of them have never been to our community. They're here for the, 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 the nationally known Bayview to Mackinac Yacht Race. This is our opportunity to roll out the red carpet and show the region what Port Huron has to offer. And we've seen a lot of economic gains. You know, developers and investors who race these yachts, come to town. They have a wonderful night, a wonderful dinner out with their friends and family. And they say, hey, geez, maybe I can invest here. Maybe I want to put a place here. Um, and so we've seen a lot of, you know, showcasing what we have to offer. But this is, you know, this is our time, Blue Waterfest, is to tell the Port Huron story to the region and to the state as a whole. It's our one time a year where you have national press and statewide press here to cover the event. Uh, and we want to make sure that we show off our, our, our community in a positive light and let people really realize that, you know, we're just 30 minutes north of, you know, Detroit, Metro Detroit. You don't have to go to Traverse City to get this true, pure Michigan blue water experience. We have it here. Let's talk a little bit about priorities going forward. Maybe big sky thinking. What is like the one thing that you would love to see happen in the, in the city in, say, the next five or 10 years? So there's a couple things. So one, we have the Great Recession, and then you're dealing with unfunded liabilities. And it's very difficult to, when you, you're leading during crisis mode and during emergency mode, and so that we're out of the emergency mode, we're out of the crisis mode, we're a financially stable community. Uh, our unfunded liability issue has, has been mitigated to a great degree. Our economy is growing and stable. And so this allows us to shift focus on a much more strategic, uh, in, strategic in nature, meaning let's look at generational challenges that require generational responses. A lot of those have been outlaid by the EDA and Blue Meets Green. Access to childcare, access to housing and affordable housing continuing to build our quality schools. Port Huron Schools has invested over $105 million in their facilities and programs in the last five years. We put out more Ivy League students than any other school district in the county. No school district in the county puts out more Harvard, uh, Stanford-bound students, University of Michigan-bound students, even MSU students than Port Huron Schools. Uh, We've just put out the most students. So how do we find affordable housing and workforce housing? We're choosing all the above strategy. We're not just focusing on condos and lofts. We're also looking at single-family homes. We're looking at our zoning to see what we can do uh, to create more, uh, you know, those studio-style apartments, which is what young entrepreneurs want and young uh, professionals want. 
then also looking at, you know, access to childcare. You know, during COVID, we lost about 800 childcare slots in the county. Folks who used to do in-home daycare decided just to retire or call it quits. Well, that's a lot of spots for kids that we don't have. And so that's going to become a real challenge that could hinder our economic growth if left unaddressed. And so the city can't solve that problem. You know, some of these problems take regional partnerships. Right. Um, the city, based on our state constitution, we don't control the schools and we don't control childcare. And so we have to work with our partners on how can we help, how can we be supportive. Uh, and that's really where the EDA and Blue Meets Green comes in to, to continue to foster those partnerships. Right. Having a, a strategy and uh, partnerships is probably the key to yeah. uh, solving some of those kind of problems. One other I wanted to just touch on before I, I let you go, which is the overall population of the county is down just a little bit based on the previous census. That's also true of the city. And the demographic trends are showing that that's going to continue for out to uh, possibly 2040. And, th- and by the way, this is a statewide and even a national issue. So how important is uh, talent attraction and retention in your opinion? Yeah, this, this Southeastern Michigan Council on Governments, SEMCOG, a regional group we're part of, they project that because of the birth rate is being outpaced by the death rate, that our population will continue to decline probably up until 2027 uh, before we start to see this plateau out. So bringing talent. So when you have a much smaller talent pool, the talent becomes much more critical of what you have. And so bringing people to this community from Macomb or Genesee, growing our own talent and continuing to develop our talent. That's why I think our schools and our community college are so critically important to have that talent developer right in the heart of downtown. But also look at immigration as well. Um, We have a lot of uh, work visas that come into our region. We need to be a much more inclusive and open community, which we historically have been. Uh, Port Huron had more immigration than Ellis Island did at the turn of the century. We are the point of entry. So when people go to Ancestry.com, most likely you'll see Port Huron as a port of entry for your ancestors. Uh, that has provided us a rich heritage, both racial and ethnically within our community. Um, that, that heritage is something we can build on. And so really focusing on bringing in new talent, developing our talent with our local assets, and then also immigration is going to be a key economic growth. The first, the communities that are most welcoming and most open to immigration will be the ones that thrive in the 21st century. Yeah. And Part and parcel to that is going to have is going to be available housing. So yep. I applaud the city for being progressive, thinking about you know what can be done to increase housing because without that we're not going to be able to have places for people to live, and uh, we would have a hard time you know staffing our restaurants and our businesses and everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for being on the podcast today. It's no, been great. great to hear about all these good things happening in the city. Yeah, it's been, you know, I appreciate your organization with our ARP funds. Um, the EDA has been able to take some of those ARP funds, develop small business grants, entrepreneur grants to really go in and help those businesses that were affected, uh, affected by COVID and also provided funds for folks who want to realign their career and maybe start a new business in our community. You know, all 65% of all new jobs are from small businesses. And so fostering a climate where small businesses can thrive and succeed, I think is key to our job creation and talent attraction. You guys do a great job at that. Well, thank you. And we couldn't do it without a great partner like you and the team that you have at the city. Appreciate it. So with that, I'm Dan Casey with the EDA of St. Clair County, and I hope you'll join us again for the next EDA podcast on Our Shoreline, Your Horizon. Take care. Thanks for listening. To hear more, visit the podcast page at WGRT.com or find Our Shoreline, Your Horizon on your favorite podcast app.